This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hello, and welcome to the Farm Traveler Podcast. This is episode 32. And our guests today are Natalie and Jatana from Ranch Wives Beef Company. You might know them on Instagram or Facebook. They've got a pretty big following. So Natalie and Jatana are going to talk to us about what ranch life is like, how they started their company, Ranch Wives Beef Company, and their mission is to supply consumers with quality beef direct from the farm. So it's a really cool story kind of talking to them about that, how they started it, and also how they're using social media to kind of get their message out and to show consumers what's going on on a ranch. So It's a great episode. Really hope you enjoy it. Be sure to check them out on Instagram, Facebook. Again, this is episode 32 with Jatana and Natalie of Ranch Wives Beef Company. All right. Well, Natalie and Jatana, welcome to the Farm Traveler podcast. How are you two doing? We're doing great, Trevor. Thanks for having us. Hey, absolutely. So you two are with Ranch Wives Beef Company, and I found you guys on Instagram. Uh, First off, tell me about both of your backgrounds in agriculture, and then after that, we'll kind of touch base on how you started Ranch Wives Beef. So tell us real quick about both of your backgrounds in agriculture. Sure. Um, So I'll go first. I'm Natalie, and I am the Nebraska half of Ranch Wives Beef Company. I, I kind of feel like that's my new last name. It's not Natalie Kavoric. It's Natalie, the Nebraska half of <laughs> Ranch Wife's Beef Company. Um, but anyway, I was one of those kids that was lucky enough to grow up around agriculture um, and just kind of be born on a ranch, so exposed to it um, from the very beginning. Um, so my family runs cattle in southwest Montana, um, and we raise registered Hereford. Um um, so I spent most of my time in Montana before I met and married my husband um, and moved to Nebraska. And here we have a cow-calf operation. Um, and I guess to kind of break it down for listeners um, who aren't super familiar with the beef industry, there's kind of 
three different sectors. Um, and Jatana can add to a little bit because she's kind of like a hybrid or an offset. But typically when you think of the beef industry, you think of um, one being uh, the seed stock or registered um, industry to the sector of the cow-calf. And then the third would be backgrounding or feedlot. So I grew up on that uh, seed stock or registered. And that basically just means that ranchers are raising cattle for the purpose of um, advancing genetics. Um, and typically that's done through like supply, supplying breeding males, so like bulls. Um, and so that's what I was really exposed to growing up. And then now I spend most of my time um, in the cow-calf sector. Um, and that basically just means ranchers um, maintain a female cow herd um, and then sell the offspring annually. So I'm definitely more familiar. I had a little bit of exposure growing up um, to farming growing up. Um, we had wheat and alfalfa hay and my husband and I do a little bit of farming, but I'm definitely more comfortable with like livestock and cattle and, and that whole aspect of agriculture. Okay, very cool. Very cool. Um, Jatana, how about you? What was your background? Yeah, so I um, I wasn't as fortunate as Natalie to grow up on a ranch, but Natalie and I have actually known each other since we were five, seven years old. We grew up in the same small town in southwest Montana. And so from a young child, I was running around with Natalie and another friend um, whose parents had a ranch right out, outside of town. And so I grew up admiring the lifestyle and, um, you know, wishing I, I had the horse of my own and um, could run around bare feet, uh, chasing, chasing kittens and barn cats and all that stuff um, with Natalie. And so that's where I started off. Um, and then I met my husband in high school. And we've dated since. Natalie's parents actually ranched right across the river from my husband's um, parents. And he ranches with his dad and his grandpa. And like Natalie said, they have kind of a hybrid of the, the seed stock and cow-calf operation. What we do is we take um, so embryos and put in our um, mama cows. So basically the majority of our mama cows are surrogates for these um, higher and, and very sought after genetics. And that goes into breeding programs. And then um, what's left of our, our mamas that don't end up with that type of a calf end up with commercial calves. And that is where the cow-calf operation kind of comes in. And that's where we source our ranch wives beef um, out of there. And so my husband, uh, like I said, ranches with his dad and his grandpa. They have been in this industry for generations. My husband is a sixth generation rancher. And then my kiddos would be seventh generation ranchers. So while I'm new to the business, um, the family is definitely not. I'm from Florida, and so it's, you know, very urban here. I'm on Panama City Beach, so it's right next to the beach. What's life like in Montana? I hear that, I mean, it, it looks beautiful, the landscape, even in Nebraska. What's that been like, kind of growing up in Montana in a very rural state? What's that been like? Yeah, it definitely is, um, I think, uh, an, an advantage. Um, I love raising my kids here. It's... Uh, the weather, they say in Montana, if you don't like it, wait five minutes and it's going to change. So our seasons are very seasonal. You have uh, summer for, you know, a month, if that, and it's intense summer. And then you've got fall um, that can be quick or long. And then we, we're right into winter. So we have all of the seasons, which I love. 
Um, and then I also love the small town aspect here at the ranch. I'm probably 40 miles from, you know, the nearest target. Um, so you have to be more intentional about your purchases, um, and your time because it takes, you know, longer to get to those places and, and more thought to, to go about your day as well. But I like that. Right. That's super neat. I like that. Yeah. I mean, here in Florida, we've got a target. There's a target within 15 minutes and a target within 20 minutes. So it's kind of, it's great, but we kind of take that for advantage. That's for sure. Um, So tell us, how exactly did you two start the Ranch Wives Beef Company? How did you start it? How did that idea kind of get um, thrown around and where is it at today? So walk us through that whole process of creating that brand. Well, like a lot of great stories, um, it wasn't really thought out or part of the master plan, honestly. And like Jatana said, we've known each other for a long time. So if you had, you know, told us in high school or, or honestly, even in college and pharmacy school, if this is, you know, where we would find ourselves today at this moment, we probably would have, you know, I think we would have been like, no, 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 I don't, I don't think that's right. But thankfully, you know, this is where we are. Um, I know I speak for Jay and I both when I say that, you know, we're really fortunate to be raising our families and and just a part of the egg community. Um, but to answer the question and to get back to the point, um, I think the idea of Ranchwise Beef Co. really stemmed from uh, both Jatan and I's basically our mutual desire to be, um, one, more connected to like our husband's day to day and and spend more time on um, our operations um, with our spouses and our, our children. But two, really to just be more involved in the egg world in general. You know, we both have kids. Jatana has three and I have um, two of the little ones. And I think when you think of ranching and farming, it's really easy to get caught up on, you know, history and legacy. And, and while that's really important to us and we're really proud of, you know, the generations before us, when you have kids involved, I think um, ranching and farming almost becomes more your future. And we're really passionate about protecting that future for our children. So I know that we both believe that each generation kind of needs to do their part and step up and um, contribute to progressing and protecting the egg industry. Um, And so I think Ranchwives Beef Co. was maybe our way to contribute. Um, You know, everyone contributes differently. Sometimes it's large and sometimes it's small. And I think we just thought that this is something, you know, that we can do um, to maybe bring a little added value to our operation, but also more importantly to, you know, spend time on our ranch and, and advocate for the egg industry and, you know, really contribute, um, more than what our husbands were doing. Gotcha. Yeah. I think, um, this kind of building on agriculture and getting your message out there. I think that's huge, especially now in, um, in the social media age. And that's how I found you guys on Instagram. You have a huge following. So what was kind of the idea to, to get very active on social media and kind of build a presence there? Yeah, we definitely saw the need to step into that social media aspect and and use it to our advantage. Unfortunately, today, the disconnect between the consumer and the producer is as great as it has ever been. And so we knew before we even had a product to sell that we needed to start telling our story. And we think it's important not just for um, producers that are trying to do the direct to um, consumer marketing, but all producers to get into that social media ring and tell our stories, show the consumer how their beef is raised and that it's raised with care and love and, and a daily, um, daily attention. You used to be able to say like our parents, um, used to be able to say, yeah, I got, you know, we 
bought our beef from our uncle or our grandpa. Our grandpa was a rancher. And that is becoming less and less um, evident in today's society. People don't have that connection to a family member or a distant relative that was the rancher. And they could say, that's where we got our beef from. I really enjoyed that. I, I had memories of going to the ranch and visiting. That's something of the past. And so we're going to use the social media ring and show the consumer um, and have let them have that same relationship in today's society. Like Jay said, there is a lot of humanity behind uh, ranching and farming that always isn't conveyed. And what better way to do that than through social media. And, you know, it's really firsthand. Um, people get to see it and they get to experience it. And, and that's a really amazing opportunity that we wanted to take advantage of. Oh, totally. Yeah. And I, we've seen a lot of farmers on this podcast that are using social media to kind of get their message out there. And I mean, you can see, like, I, I've seen some of your stories, like this morning, one of you were, um, were tagging ear or tagging cattle ears. And I mean, that was really cool. I haven't seen that in a, in a very long time. And just the fact that I can see that from um, the comfort of my own home and seeing what goes into that and seeing how you interact with the livestock. It's super cool. And I think that's really cool that you're bringing that to consumers. Well, thank you. Um, so walk us through uh, the Ranch Wives Beef Company. What are some products you guys sell? Um, what kind of the your reach? Like how many people are kind of going to your store? How, how are you delivering your products? Tell us about all, all the products you guys have. Yeah, so we carry most popular cuts of beef. You'll see that some of the cuts are missing from our site because there isn't a huge demand for them yet, but that's something that we want to change. We want to make people familiar with uh, the different cuts of beef because we think that that adds to the cooking um, experience and the experience of eating with your loved ones. We want them to be able to be comfortable cooking up short ribs or hanger steaks, and that adds to the joy of cooking for someone it adds to the conversation and the connection when you get to share a meal. And so that is our main product on um, our website. And what we do is package those up at our homes and then ship them nationwide. Um, in, a, in about one to two days, you'll get it on your doorstep, packed in a nice uh, cooler um, with an insulated liner, dry ice, it comes directly from our ranches to your front door. Um, and so that's the mainstay of our ranch business or ranch direct beef business. And then along with that, we have a section of goods that we've curated, we've loved first for ourselves and then decided to share. So this includes keychains and like little printables for like a little cowgirl or cowboy's room. Later this year, you'll see a lot more from us um, with additional items because we do want to share more of the things that we love and then some like logo wear and things like that that people are always asking for. Okay, that's really cool. Uh, what would you say are the most popular cuts of meat that consumers are comfortable, comfortable with cooking? Um, steaks, absolutely. Uh, mm -hmm. Our steaks fly out, you know, within one to two months after we've processed, those steaks are absolutely gone. And so it just shows people's loves, love for those cuts. Um, burger is probably the most um, widely used item and people are comfortable with that and, and using that in their day to day. Roasts are not, at, people are not familiar with roasts, the short ribs, um, what other cuts like cube steaks, which I love, 
people have no idea or have never experienced those. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment. I noticed on your website that you say some of your your meat is dry aged. How does that whole process work? Like, how do you dry age meat? Um, Like, what's what's the time frame like? What are some steps you have to do to dry age meat correctly? What's that like? So the butcher actually takes care of the dry aging for us. It's a process that's done um, by them themselves. And so there's kind of two different ways you can um, flavor the meat, um, essentially. And one is through wet aging and one is through dry aging. And wet aging is fiscally cheaper and it's a lot quicker. And so that is what a lot of your grocery store um, beef is going to be, just because, like I said, it's quicker and um, not as expensive. Um, so dry aging, wet aging, I'm not completely familiar with the whole process. Jutan, if you are, you can jump in at the end. Um, but so I'm not really going to explain wet aging, but dry aging is actually done to the carcass. It hangs. Um, and then the longer you dry age the hanging carcass, the more flavorful the meat profile. So, um, industry standard we you can do it for up to I think 28 days and I think the lowest is like 7 to 10 and we kind of hit right in the middle um, just because at the lower end you're not going to get the flavor and at the higher end it's almost too strong for some people Um, so we typically average a dry age of about 14 to 17 days and we find that that's like a really really good flavor um, and one that um, a lot of consumers are comfortable like with the the taste of it. Okay. Okay. That sounds really neat. Yeah. I had no idea how it worked. So what are some successes and some failures that you have experienced when, when you're trying to build up the Ranch Wives Beef Company? Um, well, small business isn't easy, Trevor. Um, <laughs> I can I imagine. Think, so, and you know, we did a lot ourselves and, and one that's because we wanted to, but two, it's also because, you know, you try and keep startup small and the cost. So, you know, when you're putting your own money in individually, you just, you want to try and, you know, be fiscally responsible. So having done a lot of it ourselves, I feel like we could almost say anything and everything was a success, you know, like the smallest thing, you're just like, oh my gosh, we did it. You know, this is, this is amazing. And so, and just shipping our beef in general is a success. I mean, the fact that people, you know, there's a lot of different options on the market and the fact that people trust us and want to choose our product to bring home, um, to share with their loved ones. Um, you know, that's, that's super meaningful to us and we're really proud of that. But I think if I personally had to pick, you know, like a tangible thing to talk about for success, um, there's two things that come to mind. And one would be, um, we had the opportunity to speak at the American Herford Association they hosted a brand marketing summit um, this past June. And basically what that was is like a three-day event um, that the AHA put on to uh, teach producers um, across the nation the importance of marketing and how to market um, and specifically how to market like in today's you know digital era. So we talk social media and website and just all the different you know videography and all the things you can do to reach your um, consumers. And so that was really meaningful. And I think we we're really both proud of that. Um, one, because, you know, we never would have guessed that that was a avenue branch wise would have gone to. Um, but two, also because, you know, education and advocacy has always been something we're passionate about, but we didn't realize how much. And so being in that room full of, you know, ranchers across the nation who are wanting to, you know, 
learn um, and helping teach them how to tell their story and, and build a brand. That was, it was a really amazing time. And I know we were grateful and hopefully get to do a little bit more of that. So I know that we were really proud of that. And then two, we recently had the opportunity to collaborate with a USA company, um, Public Market Goods out of California, and they're an apparel company. And we work together to create a children's line of teas that um, are centered around agriculture. And so they say ranch raised and farm raised. Um, and I know that was something that we were really proud of. You know, we obviously as mothers, um, our children are important. And, and I think in ranching and farming, kind of touched on it earlier, but you know, that's the next generation. You're always thinking of them and, and they're very important to us. So um, we were really happy and really proud of that collaboration with public market goods. Yeah. I'd also like to add that, you know, we started Ranch Wives with the mission to share our family raised beef, but we didn't realize, <clears throat> excuse me, how many other ranch wives out there and farm wives that we would connect with on a level of, you know, respect and appreciation and kinship and, and can talk to them and communicate through that little app. And they, they brighten our day every day. You know, the relationships that we have made, um, our, our lifetime, um, friendships through this little app. And, and that's something that we didn't expect. So we are grateful for that. That's really cool. Yeah. It seems like you have just this huge community, um, online, just kind of supporting you guys and seeing what y'all are up to. And I'm glad to hear that you guys have, have had a bunch of su success, like th making the child t-shirts, speaking at different events. That's really cool to hear. I'm, I'm glad about that. Um, so what are some, uh, what are some beef misconceptions that you kind of hear about on a daily basis? I know the, um, the Ellen DeGeneres thing that happened about a week ago. I know that's probably huge where she, where she was telling people to eat less beef, so what are some big beef misconceptions that you guys see that kind of drive you nuts? Yeah, definitely. That was, um, it's honestly a shot to the heart because it, it really hits home. Um, basically, you know, telling us that our livelihood and the product that we are raising with our own two hands, our entire family is detrimental to the environment. And my gosh, if that couldn't be further from the truth, it's disheartening, right? Um, U.S. ranchers and, and producers are 10 to 50 times more um, economical or, uh, let's say, um, sustainable than other countries. And so I really, um, it, it really saddens us to hear that when we are making strides every day to be more sustainable and actually regenerative. Um, cattle can do wonders for the environment. And to look out my window right now, I see blue skies and green grass. Um, I don't think that Ellen can say the same. I've probably got a thousand, not individually, but there's probably five families around us ranching and over a thousand cows. And so within 10 miles, there's blue skies and green grass. And Ellen definitely can't say the same. Yeah, I think that, I mean, Ellen's little video touched on two things um, that I think are probably two of the big misconceptions. And one of them was that meat isn't healthy for you, she said, and the other one that meat isn't good for the environment. Um, and both of those, you know, couldn't be further from the truth. Um, you know, beef is one of our favorite proteins to feed our family. And um, I think they call it like the big, is it the big 10, Jay? Yes. Yep. Yeah. 
Um, and so it has like 10 essential um, vitamins um, and it's an excellent source of protein and it has a really low um, caloric, like when you're comparing it across the line um, to other proteins. And so, I mean, that in, in and of itself, her statement was wrong and, and a misconception. And then um, I think people's belief that cattle are harming the environment um, is a huge one. And, and I kind of just did a post on this the other day that touched on um, like when you can, when cattle are managed properly, um, the benefit they have to grass growth and um, healthy regenerative plant regrowth is amazing. And so they're actually an amazing tool to help um, promote. And they're, I mean, they're a huge benefit to the environment. And I think that's a huge misconception um, regarding cattle. Yeah, I agree with your points, um, and especially that you said that, you know, Ellen lives in a city and there's probably not a lot of green grass, not blue skies, a lot of um, car pollution, and yet they're the ones lecturing middle of America uh, that their careers are not good enough for the environment. And I totally agree that the average farmer does more for the environment than a typical person does. So the fact that those, misconce those misconceptions are still going on is just preposterous. So y'all kind of touched base on it earlier. What are your thoughts right now on the farmer-consumer relationship? I mean, y'all have said that the consumer is very far removed from the actual farm, but what is that relationship like? What are some things that farmers can do? And also, what are some things that consumers can do to better, I don't know, to better kind of get their information from reliable sources about how their food is made? I think that showing up um, daily on the social media apps and showing our day-to-day -day is the greatest steps that we can take individually if we're not out um, in the trenches talking to the consumer because the consumer is going to come to us, right? They have, they can't come to us physically. They can't come to Montana, but they can see what we are doing on a daily to day basis through our sharing. And so we are huge advocates for other producers out there to show up daily, show um, the consumer how their animals are treated and really open up those lines of communications. We love questions. We love, why do you do that? Or, um, you know, this is what I heard on uh, the TV today, but you know, what, what's your opinion on this? What do you see and, and what are you doing um, within your operation? And so the communications back and forth, we want to know, we want consumers to know that they can ask us those questions. We're not afraid of the hard questions, um, what you do when a cow's down, you know, um, all of those tough things that maybe could be misconstrued. Um, I think Natalie may have hit this on one of the stories in the last couple of days is that videos that we take as consumers um, can be twisted in, in quite a way by just setting uh, different lighting and different music. And a downed cow um, that we're just you know, trying to coax up in a gentle way can be completely misconstrued. And so us showing up day to day, showing those true stories, hopefully can overshine all of the bad that is being um, shown out there. Kind of, you're talking about those animal videos where they've kind of taken your content and kind of skewed it to where it could be possible negatives, or even have you had people, I've heard from TDF Honest Farming on Instagram, he had a guy that interviewed to work on his ranch and he got denied and then all of a sudden this guy was going on his Facebook and just bashing Derek and all of on all of his cows so have you had any close encounters with activists or stuff like that we fortunately haven't um sometimes I, I think Derek's really um his main platform I know he's he has a lot of followers on Facebook and I think 
um, depending on which social media platform you're on, you know, like Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or YouTube. I think that there's kind of, I've heard from other people who are more active on other platforms that the following basis is a little bit different and the attitudes and the energy are sometimes a little bit different. So, you know, we right now have just focused on Instagram itself. Um, and thankfully we have just been, you know, kind of welcomed and we have a really great supportive community, if anything. Um, and so, you know, we're thankful for that, but. Well, that's definitely a plus. I'm glad you haven't had that experience yet. That's really good. Um, so long-term, what would you say are the goals for Ranch Wives Beef Company? Yeah, and, and Ranch Wives Beef Company started off as, you know, a way for us to further involve ourselves in our operations and help um, our family grow and, and our operations add an extra value. And right now, that's manageable. The amount of beef that we're putting out is manageable, and it brings joy to us. And so we want to try to continue that um, steady growth, but nothing too wild that, um, you know, puts us in, into just shipping beef. Like, that's not really, you know, what we want to be doing from sunup to sundown, because we do enjoy involving our family, going and checking the cows, um, being involved in the day-to-day of the ranching and we would never want to pull ourselves from that because that was the initial um, motivation into going to that. So goals in the future are probably involving more of our community and stepping off of the ranch and showing our community what we're doing on the ranch and what products we have. And so for instance, this summer we were involved in um, um, providing beef for our, our little rodeo here in in Montana and a few pop-ups and that's something Natalie um, has gone as far as Lincoln and Omaha to do pop-ups and taking our product out uh, of the ranch and to those bigger cities around us has been really welcoming and warming and so we do like to do that Um, we want to do a an event this fall in Montana where we're bringing families together and having a fall festival, enjoying um, time and then showing them those extra cuts of beef that maybe they uh, aren't too familiar with, but will transition well into the crock pot season and things like that. So um, Natalie spoke earlier about us doing speaking engagements, which we absolutely loved and and want to do more of as well, because educating our youth all the way up to um, at the brand summit, there were, you know, 60 year old producers that were learning um, new tips and tricks on how to speak to younger individuals. And so we love that whole gamut of speaking to people and advocating for our community. Well, very cool. I wish you guys nothing but the best of luck. I mean, it seems like your company is really, really cool, very close to your hearts. And we, my wife and I will definitely be ordering some beef from you guys very, very soon. We want to try it out and see how good it tastes compared to our, our regular Publix meat, that's for sure. Um, all right, well, if, so if people want to follow you, you're on Instagram, you're on, uh, your website is um, ranchwisebeefco.com. But where can people go to find you to learn more about you and kind of follow in what you're doing? Uh, I think we're most active on Instagram and, and that's basically the same as the website. It's just Ranch Wives Beef Co. So you'll find, I mean, you'll find us there every day. One of us, sometimes both of us, <laughs> we're usually, um, we're always on stories, taking people out with us. Kind of like you said, uh, last night, you know, you came along with us in Nebraska. We went tagging. Um, we, we do fall calving here. So that's what we were up to last night. And 
um, yeah, we're always bringing you guys along. So we'd love it if you found us there and, and joined in on the fun. Yeah, absolutely. That's how we found you. It's always cool watching your videos. I kind of geeked out a little bit when I saw that you you tagged me in one and you were listening to um, <laughs> one of the podcasts. I was like, oh my goodness, this is great. And I think we gained like 20 followers that day. So thank you very much. Oh, um, good. I'm happy. That's great. Well, thank you. Um, all right. Well, thank you both very much uh, for being on our podcast. We wish you both nothing but the best of luck. And we'll be staying tuned to see what uh, Ranchwise Beef Company does in the future. Thank thanks you, so Trevor. Much. Yeah, thanks so much, Trevor. Hope you enjoyed this episode with Natalie and Jatana. Be sure to check them out on ranchwivesbeefcompany.com. Also on Instagram and Facebook, they've got a lot of followers. You can see what they're doing every day on their ranch. Uh, if you like the podcast, give us a like on iTunes. Follow us on Instagram or Facebook, wherever you might be. Helps us out a ton. Be sure to share it. We really appreciate it. Thanks, and we'll see you in the next episode. Hey everyone, we're trying to make things easier for you to listen to the podcast. We are now a part of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective, and that means you can now find us on an additional platform. We're now available on the Waypoint app on your Apple TV, Roku, or Amazon Fire Stick, smart TVs like Samsung, and even game systems. While you're on there, check out over 2,500 of the best hunting and fishing shows and short films, download the app, and watch and listen anywhere. You go out there and the fish are where you think they are. Any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.